We've been talking about uh, supernatural increase, and we've uh, gone through several uh, of these messages, or seven topics that we're talking about. And the first one, of course, was the importance of walking in truth. If you don't walk in truth, there's no way for you to enjoy supernatural increase. We talked about how important faithfulness was. Number three, diligence. And we spent several weeks talking to you about the tithe and how important it is to develop that habit in your life, that there is a revelation of the tithe, and once you have it and act on it, it does supernatural things in your life. There are all kinds of benefits to being a tither. Can I have a good amen? amen? So this week we're going to kind of transition into the, the fifth principle, which is simply called sowing or the sower. Say it, I'm a sower. And this takes in, uh, you know, the area of finances, but it takes a step back into the broader uh, you know, of your entire life, the entirety of your life, every dimension of your life, and, and literally everything that goes on in this planet and everything that goes on in the kingdom of God is, is related to the concept of sowing. So say it one more time. I have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. Go with me, first of all, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. And I'm going to read to you from uh, verse 26 forward. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That's a message for Hasbro for Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Say with me, male. And female, he created them. I just want to point out to you that God doesn't make mistakes. In this earth, in this world, unperverted by sin, there never would have been death and destruction and poverty and disease. There never would have been any consequence if man had kept to the word of God and honored what God had said. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us that there will be perversion in seed in this natural world. There's perversion in, in grain. There can be perversion in animal seed. There can be perversion in human seed. But God made us male and female. Why is that important? Because it has to do with God's plan to absolutely cause human beings to subdue this earth as they multiply and understand just the reflection of God's nature and how he does what he does. Everything he does is through seed time and harvest. So when I as a human being decide in my great intelligence that I'm going to dismiss what God has said about these matters and begin to tell you that there aren't two genders, there are 50 or 60 or 5 or 10 or whatever, I'm not just playing around with some social cultural situation. I'm toying with the very authority of God himself. And it's far more dangerous than people realize goes far beyond just what this world thinks. And the, the more you dismiss yourself from the word of God, the more you're going to be confused in these days that we live. Put that Bible down. Don't listen to it. Don't go to church. Don't, you know, get into Bible study. Just ignore the things of God. And that world out there is going to cause more and more confusion in your heart and in your life. It isn't amazing to you and to me, though, that the Bible is so plain. Say it with me, male. Mr. Potato Head. Female. Mrs. Potato Head. Everything you ever needed to know about gender, you could have learned from Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head before they ruined it. Are you here? 
Because you're talking about the mechanism for seed time and harvest from God's perspective. Why is this important? Read on with me. God said to them, be fruitful and increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature and moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. This is the way of God. It's not only an earthly principle, it's an eternal principle for you and for me. When I start studying this, I get really excited because I realize that no matter what's going on in our lives, if we have seed to sow, we can sow our way out of it. You can sow yourself out of poverty. You can sow yourself out of confusion. You can sow yourself out of sickness. You can sow yourself out of bondage. You can sow yourself out of everything if you understand the foundation of the teaching of seed time and harvest. There couldn't have been a worse time on this planet in terms of our potential and future. That window between Adam and Eve sinning and then God announcing how he would deal with it. Aren't you glad that God made a remedy for that sin and for our sin? Read over in chapter 3 real quickly. Just lay a foundation for it today. You know what they did. You know that fear immediately came in. You know they flashed in fig leaves trying to cover with the loss of the glory. But how many understand you can't hide if the glory has gone? They're hiding from God. And here comes the Lord on the scene. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and what? And hers. In other words, his prophecy about coming seed would remedy the sin issue for you and for me. I want you to mark that scripture, uh, Genesis 3.15. Just remember that this particular verse is a strong and it is a first prophetic utterance of what God would do about the sin problem. Now listen carefully. How would God deal with the sin issue that now has come to destroy everything that he created? God comes that you might have abundant life. The devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And what happens in this scripture tells us what is what could possibly God's cosmic plan, his universal plan to redeem people, to set this thing in order. Do you know what his plan was? Sowing. And what was he going to sow? He was going to sow his own son for our redemption. Go to John chapter 12 for a moment. Thank you, Lord. How many enjoy being taught the Word of God? Come on, say it. I enjoy it. I want some more. I want to be here till nightfall. Well, amen. There's an awful lot of amens for that hallelujah. We'll just bring in lunch. Glory to God. <laughs> John chapter 12. Verse 20, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast, and they came to Philip at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And what would be the next word out of Jesus? Sure, let's have, you know, some kind of a sit down. Let's have a party. You know, let's have some tea. Let's have whatever. Let's have some grape juice. And that's not what he does at all. Listen to this. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. We want to see Jesus. 
Oh, really? Do you really want to see Jesus? Do you really want to see the plan of God? I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I'm glad that you're one of those. It's a funny thing to say, I sure am glad Jesus died. But can I tell you the truth? I am glad he died, but he didn't stay dead. I'm not glad that he had to because we put God in that position, but I'm glad he did. And this concept, this imagery of a seed dying, going into the ground and dying and producing a harvest, that encapsulates God's entire vision for everything he will do, everything that he wants and desires. And if you and I can begin to understand the power of the principle of sowing and reaping, it'll revolutionize our lives. Because some of you have been sown some very horrible things in your life. Some of you have been told that you'll never be victorious, you'll never do anything, you're worthless, you're scum, and, and if some person didn't tell you that, maybe you have the devil tell you that, and sowed all kinds of things into your life. Let me remind you of the nature of a seed. Every word is a seed. Every single one. Every thought is a seed. That's why we're told to take captive those thoughts and cast down vain imaginations because you don't want to self-sabotage your life by sowing thought seeds that are inconsistent with Scripture. Every thought is a seed. Say it with me, every word is a seed. Every thought is a seed. And every action is a seed. Dear God, you know, Pastor, you're talking like everything I do 24 hours a day, I'm sowing. Bingo. Consciously or unconsciously, you're sowing. Now it's time to start directing your seed. Directing your thoughts and your words and your actions to benefit you and others rather than destroying you. So I'll tell you this right now. I don't care what they told you you couldn't do. I don't care they put you down. I don't care they discriminated against you. I don't care they called you ugly names. I don't care that parents reject you. I don't care about any of that. I break the power of all those seeds over your life in Jesus' name. Command them to die and bear no fruit in your life. And that you get a harvest from the things that God has said about you. My brother, my sister, you're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. God has plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. God calls you his creative masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You are the head and not the tail. You're going to do great things in God. Those seeds are not seeds that I made up. Those are all seeds from the word of God itself. Are you here today? Come on, say it. I can sow my way out of anything the devil throws at me. But you know what you can't do? Is you can't go around agreeing with the devil's seed and get out. You got to stop taking that stuff to heart. It's hard, but somebody pounds you for years. But that's part of the renewing of the mind. That's part of understanding this grace of seed time and of harvest. Now, I want you to understand this. That this is down in the, in the, in the very core of who God is, his nature can I see a show of hands if you believe God's nature is good? Well, I also want you to understand God's nature is sower. And he never has stopped sowing. He gave us Jesus. Jesus did die and he was raised from the dead. 
The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he, he gave, he's still doing it. He's the greatest giver. He's the greatest sower. It's his very nature. You know what happens when a human being gets saved and gets their mind renewed and they begin to take on the nature of the one that saved them? God is good, so his people should be what? Good. God is loving, so his people should be what? Loving. God is a God of great belief and faith and confidence in his word and what he speaks and what he declares. You and I should be people of faith. God is a great sower. When you say you want to be like God, make up your mind. You are going to be a sower extraordinaire. Sowing the right things. Genesis chapter 8. Then I'm going to point something out to you here in a moment as we move forward. Genesis 8, verse 22. This has a prophetic bent to it. Understand this. It's early in the history of mankind. We're coming out of the flood. Verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will what? Will never cease. Now we know that the earth in some form or fashion will always exist. We know there's going to be a reclamation. We know there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. So what you're seeing here is a, 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 an early demonstration and, and proclamation about the power and the authority of seed time and harvest. Um, it's not going to change. Why? It's a reflection of who he is. You want something, you sow for it. If you want something, you believe God, and a big part of that is sowing and in reaping. Amen. Said, I want to be like my father. He's good, kind, loving, gracious, and he's a sower. Now, as with tithing, you're going to see that, that, that you need to, to receive, you know, teaching on revelation. You need to have you know, teaching on sowing and reaping, you need to have revelation of that. Not let it stop right here, but let it explode on the inside of you. This isn't meant to be the worst year of your life. This is meant to be the best year of your life. Well, they did this and they said that and this is what the government's doing. This is what those people, they have nothing to do with what you sow. Unless you start parroting them. Amen. Bill Johnson said it this way. He said, if, if you're paying more attention, you have more input from the mainstream media, then guess what? Your discouragement, your disappointment is self-inflicted. Amen. Say it with me. See time and harvest is forever. You know, if something's forever, you and I should probably start becoming proficient. We haven't gotten there, but how many know we're growing in this? Okay. Well, go from there over to Peter with me. I'll tell you what. Uh, let's just go ahead to Isaiah 55. But you were paying attention during the word the Holy Ghost just quoted for us today. When you're there, say I'm there. The natural phenomenon of seed time and harvest on the earth is a reflection of the spirit realm. 
Let me say it again. The natural phenomenon of seed time and harvest, when you see a farmer out there in the field or when you go in your backyard and plant something, or when you sow a financial seed and you see a harvest off of that, or you're sowing things that lead to peace and you harvest peace in your life, the natural phenomenon is a reflection of the spiritual. Say this to me. The natural phenomenon of sowing and reaping is a reflection of the supernatural, of the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? All we are is a reflection of what he's actually done. In Isaiah 55, look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You know what it's saying? Your seeds are not my seeds. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, my seeds, higher than your seeds, and my seeds than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it what? Bud and flourish, let it yield seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Watch this. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What does this tell us? It tells us that the, the reflection of the spiritual on earth, is, it's still basically controlled and dominated by one particular kind of seed, and that is word seed. What he sows from the word comes to pass. Now, this doesn't mean much to us, but if you were going back into Israel in the early 1900s or late 1800s into that territory, you would find out there was not the fertile ground that there is right now. There's not the fruitfulness that we have right now. And in this scripture, what does the word do? The word always produces according to the purpose for which it was sent. Deliverance seed produces a deliverance harvest. Healing seed produces a healing harvest. Financial seed produces a financial harvest. Are you here today? Wisdom seed produces more wisdom, and on and on it goes. And he says right here, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst in a song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow what? Pine tree, in other words, we're going to have a different kind of harvest here now. Turn to somebody and say, you're going to have a different kind of harvest. Look at him and say, thorn bushes are over. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. This happened in the territory we know as Israel. He did what his word said, telling you that when he speaks, it comes to pass. Again, showing us that we sow with thoughts and words, and when we do, things actually happen. Amen. He's no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of seed. Say it, every thought, every word, every action is a seed. The challenge is, is it reflecting Isaiah 55? Or are they still my thoughts and my ways? Trade your thoughts, your ways in for his thoughts, his ways. Trade your old dead seed in for 
seed that will work. That has implication for what Todd just mentioned, you know, about declaring to the dry bones what you want. Anybody can say they're dead. But that's not how God operates. God looked at the darkness and the formlessness of this earth, and he said, man, it's dark. No, because if he had, it would still be dark. But what did he say? He looked into that expanse and he said, light be. You see, the mechanism is true, but if the seed associated with the mechanism is bad, what are you going to get? You're going to get less than the harvest that you want. A harvest that's not consistent with the word of God. Now you can go over to 1 Peter if you want to. First Peter, when you're there, say I'm there. Hallelujah, almost done with my introduction. <laughs> First Peter, chapter one. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of what? Imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All men are like grass, natural seed. Their glory is like the flowers of the field, natural flowers. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, what? Stands forever. Come on, shout this out. There's no expiration. No expiration date on word seed. That's why you should keep on believing what you're believing. Not give up and hang in there. I want you to notice this and understand this. It, we're born again, we're made in his image by the living and enduring word of God. That's how we get born again. And it's how we get every aspect to manifest in this realm from the heavenly realm through heavenly seed. Now watch this. Unlike natural seed between the genders that God has ordained. And how many understand when God ordained something, you better stick to what God ordained. Spiritual seed is incorruptible. Though for every person in this room that's born again, you are not a spiritual birth defect. That means that every person that is here and watching online you are born again by incorruptible seed, which means you are not a spiritual birth defect, which means this will work for you. Seed time and harvest will work for you. Now, unfortunately, in the natural realm, there can be birth defects. There can be corruption of the seed. And that's exactly what explains all manner of birth defects that happen in this world. Not all of them are associated with substances or drugs that were taken maybe by a mother, whatever. They're just, they're just a result of this fallen condition of this planet. Are you still here, church? 
and you have corruption at the most basic level of the seed, you're going to have a manifestation of that. Now, people would say this all the time. You know, people that are Christians, believers, they don't follow the science. Yeah, we do. The science is not only, did God say there's male and female? The science says there's male and female. Except when there's a genetic mutation. No scientist, no physician worth of salt says that this is a new gender. You don't call a mutation another gender. I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me right now. You do not call a mutation another gender. Which means the confusion is in the soulless realm and the minds and hearts of people trying to tell three-year-olds they should choose their gender. A three-year-old can't even pick out their doggone clothes, let alone their gender. Stick to the word of God. It happens to be right. We do know from the science that it is possible for an additional X chromosome to be attached to an XY in a male baby. But it doesn't change the fact it's still a male baby. The scientists will tell you it is male. There are just some issues associated with that, like, you know, bone density and height and things like muscle strength and, in some cases, reproduction. The same thing can happen with an XYY. Guess what? It's still a male baby. They used to call it the Superman syndrome. But they are still fundamentally the same sex. That's the science. I love what Kelly wrote in response to this on the internet the other day. She just put a little emoji with eyes rolling because that's exactly what we need to do is roll our eyes to this stupidity. Well, that's just transphobia, Pastor. You're just transphobic. No, I'm Jehovah-phobic. I could care less about what those activists say. I do care about what God says. And the accountability is going to come because the church won't stand up because it's afraid of their reputation, afraid of being canceled, afraid of being picked on, afraid of being persecuted. When has the church not been persecuted? So we're going to talk about seed time and harvest. We're going to have to deal with the elephant, the Mr. Potato in the room. Church is most effective and the word is most powerful when it meets head on the challenge of the culture. Instead of backpedaling or being quiet, whatever. Hallelujah. I'm not responsible if you don't receive the word, if you don't get revelation, but I am responsible if I don't preach it. There are two genders, and there are two main deviations from that chromosomal pool, but there are still the same gender. And somebody would say, follow the science. That's exactly where the science will lead you. You'll find out over and over and over again, science does not contradict the Bible. The Bible is supported by science when it's done honestly with integrity. Amen. 
Glory to God. But in the realm of the born again spirit, there is no birth defects. Look at somebody in spine and say, you work exactly the way you were made. Say it, I work exactly the way I was made when I got born again. In other words, if God can get harvest off of sowing, so can you. You are made in his image and there are no birth defects. Stop making excuses. Stop pouring mouth and stop listening to everybody in their opinion and get to using your words and using your thoughts and using your actions in a way that will produce godly harvest in your life. Because you can sow anything. You can, you, can, you can absolutely grow anything in your life. And you hold, you hold this principle. Amen. Thinking of a sermon series called Mr. Potato Head. That's what Todd would call a flesh idea. <laughs> yeah. Say it with me. I'm not defective. I'm not broken. I'm not deficient. I'm not a birth defect. Is, is that important? Yes, because somebody, somebody might think in this room that, that physically you have a limitation, but listen, with the born-again spirit, there's no limitation except for your sowing. The cross is the great equalizer. The, the, the seed does not check to see what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't even check to see the color hair you have. Because if it did, that seed wouldn't recognize my wife half the time because it's always changing. <laughs> is she staring at me right now again? She is, isn't she? she <laughs> it, it doesn't care. It doesn't care if the body housing that born-again, you know, non-defective spirit, it doesn't care if it's red or orange or blue or purple or black or white. It doesn't matter. That's why you never really get equality unless we're born again. You're never going to get it. You can focus on the corrupted side of this thing, trying to get justice and trying to get equality and trying to force things in the natural. But if you get over here into the spirit, you'll see how fast God can raise you up to make any difference what the exterior is doing or has been through. You can't stop incorruptible seed from producing great harvests. That's what God has done for us. Aren't you glad for it? Say it with me. I'm not deformed. I'm not deficient. I was made perfect in my spirit man. It's just about recognizing that and then changing what you're doing with your sowing. You see this? Everybody can do it. Everybody. You know, some people may sit here and think, well, I just don't have that kind of faith or whatever. Do you know the Bible says that every single person that got born again was given the metron or the measure of faith? Every person in this building starts with the same measure of faith. It's just that some will develop it and some won't. Same thing is true about harvest. Some will get this and sow Bible thoughts and words and deeds. 
and get Bible harvests, and some won't allow themselves to develop that, choose to focus more on the natural realm. But you have the opportunity. Everybody has the opportunity to become a great sower and a great harvester in the things of God. Amen. Go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. And you go to lunch and somebody says, what did your pastor say today? He said, I'm not deformed. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you're online, you don't like what I said about Potato Head, Jim Kruger's email address is what? <laughs> Galatians chapter 6. Can you all sense what I sense that God is visiting our church? He is with us. And he is opening the realm of the spirit and opening up the word to us. Amen. In Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you from uh, 1987 NIV. <laughs> I'll explain that, but not today. <laughs> Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature... That's non-Bible seed and a non-Bible born-again spirit. This is stuff that's focused on the natural. will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I mean, no, reaping life is a good thing. On this earth and in the life to come. Let us not become weary in doing good. What does that mean? Don't get weary and stop sowing. Don't get weary and stop you know, evaluating your thought life and evaluating the words that you say and evaluating the things that you do, continue to make sure they measure and are consistent with the Word of God, with word seed. Don't get tired. Don't get weary in doing good. Keep it in context there. For at the proper time, we will what? Reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. If we don't give up. If we don't give up what? Sowing. There's a big mystery right now in America what the church is going to look like in five, six months to a year simply because they're predicting up to one in four churches to close its doors and people are right now completely out of a prior conviction about their relationship with the local church. I encourage you to revisit that and make sure that you're getting your directives from the word of God and not from the culture. Don't give up sowing to the spirit. The J.B. Phillips says, don't be under any illusion. In other words, don't kid yourself. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on, on what he sows. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. 
But if he sows for the Spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that Spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good, for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. Don't you love that? The ultimate harvest is assured. For whatever a man sows, the Amplified says, that and that only is what he will reap. I want you to just lift your head up high and say this, say boldly, for whatever a man sows. That and that only will he reap. I don't reap one thing. I don't sow one thing and get another. That's just fallacy. It's not correct. It's, it's bad naturally. I don't sow corn and expect to get wheat. Amen. By the same token, I can't expect to get beyond what I sow. Say, why is that? The law of seed time and harvest tells us there's a universality of seed in the earth. Say it one more time. Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Say it again. Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Man, bolder now. Every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Now, we can confess that, but can we be honest today and say that every thought, word, and deed lines up with word seed? That's where the switch has to come. You're always sowing. You're always planting. All we're asking you to do is change the nature of what you're planting, and you'll change the nature of your harvest. Amen. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time in the next week or two in Mark chapter 4 showing you, you know, what is required to be a sower in this day. What is a sower who's going to supernaturally increase? What does that look like? And it's marvelous revelation. It's wonderful what God is saying and showing in that scripture. But to lay a foundation today is critically important. Now, you understand the concept of seed time and harvest. Just write these four things down. They're very, very simple. We reap if we sow. Guess what happens if you don't sow? You say, I don't want any radishes in my garden. All you have to do is what? Don't plant radishes. Amen. But if you want something in your garden, you're going to reap what? If you actually sow. Say it, I reap. If, if, if I sow. Now, the, the truth of that statement, and the, of course, the Bible and the Word of God backs that up, the reality is we can know that and still not do anything about it. You need some healing and harvest. You need a harvest of deliverance. You need a harvest financially. You've got to sow some seed. Now, the reason we start with a tithe is because that's your foundation. My tithe is not my seed. I start by being a tither, and then I start with my thoughts and my words and my deeds. It becomes a seed at that point in time, and that's where you really start seeing supernatural increase in your life. Let me put it to you this way. We talked about tither's rights and the blessing of a tither. Those are all true, but then there are 
benefits to being a sower that go beyond that list of tither's rights. Let me say it again. The tithe is my foundation. Sowing is on top of that in every category of life. And where I tap into the benefits of a sower, and we'll get into those in future sessions, they are beyond what you would even get as a tither. Raise your hand if you'd like to increase like never before in the coming days and weeks and months and years. You'd like to see God do new and beautiful things in your life. It's going to come on this revelation. Amen. Everybody, we sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh. Jerry Savelle tells a story where he was baby in the Lord and he wanted to know about faith, so he went to church and I asked, you know, you know, can somebody tell me how to walk by faith? Oh, yeah, you need to talk to sister so-and-so. She knows everything there is about faith. And so he walks up and says, they told me that you know a lot about faith. She goes, well, I know a few things. And, uh, well, what, what can you tell me? She goes, I know what you want. She goes, you want to have, you know, an anointing like, like Oral Roberts has. And she said, you can't have an anointing like Oral Roberts. You can't have a faith like Oral Roberts. And he's like, well, I wasn't even going to ask that question. But since you brought it up, why can't I have a faith like Oral Roberts? The greatest heathen revivalist in the past century. With Jesus now, but the mark was made, the amazing things God did through his life. And he's just starting out trying to find out the truth about walking by faith. Well, you, you can't have a faith like Oral Roberts. He says, well, why not? Because of his name, Oral Roberts. He goes, what are you talking about? It's in his name, Oral Roberts. What does Oral mean? The spoken word. You can't have a faith like Oral Roberts because he has the name Oral Roberts and you don't. And that's when Jerry began to think about what his name meant. Jerry, a slang term for a German. <laughs> and he began to say, I'll never be able to do much for God because he's got Oral and I've got the slang name for a German. And this idea was he doesn't have Oral in front of his name, and his real name was uh, Glen Granville Oral Roberts. That wasn't even his real his first name. It's not about what somebody named you. It's what you do with the measure of faith by sowing to the Spirit. So I had an announcement to make. Every person in here could have a faith like Oral Roberts and beyond Oral Roberts. Amen. To do phenomenal things for God. If you get a hold of the principle of seed time and harvest, that anointing is going to come as a harvest because of what you have deposited in your life. And all around us is everything, everything that counters to what God wants to do and the good things he wants to do, the miraculous, the supernatural. It's all out there countering this. But you know what you can do? You can focus on you. I can focus on my thoughts, my words, and my actions. Because listen, if I sow, if, everybody say, I, F, if I sow, and just for the record, Sunday morning church, don't do it. If this is a sum total of your sowing, best of luck with that. The best you're going to get is a hunger, a desire, a thirst, a prompting, in some cases an aggravation. The cattle prod. 
to go out there and do the real sowing. Amen. Number two, we reap after we sow. There's always a time element. Make sure that you do not give up on things that are already in the ground. Keep your faith out there. I hear the Holy Ghost saying that. There are thousands and thousands of believers who have sown things and believed for things and have walked away from their fields as if they never sowed them. Go back and say, you know what? I reclaim that in Jesus' name. I'm going to continue to believe in God for that harvest in this situation. I've sown word towards that. The word is not corruptible. So it's still working. It's still there. Just get your faith back on it. We reap if we sow. We reap after we sow. Number three, we reap what we sow. The eternal law is after its own kind. Monkeys produce. Monkeys. Cows produce. Cows. People produce. You notice the people don't produce cows. And every woman said... After what? After its own kind. What's so dangerous about monkeying around and messing around with God's divine plan of seed time and harvest and trying to recraft whatever you think should be done based on culture, there is no stopping point. You know, Pastor Art no longer goes by he, he goes by them. And you keep moving with this. He's now multiple genders. He's now multiple people. You know, the American Psychological Association used to call that what? Multiple personality syndrome. And now they codify it as if it's normal. It's not normal. Come on, look at somebody and say, it ain't normal. And no amount of screaming and protesting and vilifying and canceling is going to change that. You are a human couple. <laughs> I trust that you are. And you're in childbearing age. You are not going to wake up one day and birth a Doberman. It's absolutely ridiculous, but this is what happens when you leave the path of right thinking in God's word and give yourself over to rationalism. Anything then is possible. It's important to get this. Amen? Say it. I reap if I sow. I reap after what? After I sow. I reap what I sow. So if I need something in my life, I need to sow seed, Bible seed towards that, and I'm going to get what? I can understand what's going to come. A farmer doesn't go out there and put a bunch of corn seed in the ground and then wonder for months what he's going to get. You get? Right. And the sum total of my understanding before I got saved of, of seed time and harvest was God's going to get you for that. It was all negative. And so this negative thing, and that is true, you can sow junk and get junk. But let's just say right now, I'm not a junk sower. Say it again, I'm not a junk sower. I'm a word sower. Amen. Praise God. Say it one more time. If I sow, after I sow, what I sow. Woo! 
This is deep. Say, if I sow. If I sow. After I sow. After I sow. We're instant Americans. We want everything instant. If Popeye's is 30 seconds late giving us that chicken sandwich, we go, we lose our salvation right there. Chick-fil-A. I'm going to start that battle. Amen. <laughs> No, Chick-fil-A. Oh, Popeyes. <laughs> I think you both need to get a life. <laughs> Amen. Say it, if I sow. After I sow. What I sow. And the last one is worth getting excited over. You reap more. Then you sow. No farmer goes out there and goes, I'm going to put, you know, 10 bushels of seed in the ground and hope I get 10 bushels of harvest. They would lock him up after the bank took everything he had. No. He's looking for, in Bible terms, 30, 60, and 100. Tied to the authority of God's word is the ability to have a supernaturally large Harvest off what you sow. Amen. And that's when it starts to get real exciting. Everybody say exciting. Say it with me. It's just real important to get this in your spirit. They say if, after, what, and more. Say if, after, what, and more. 